Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Jeanine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. It's a beautiful day here in New York City. And as always, we're armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Uh, and uh, in case you were wondering, uh, Christmas is not that far away. Uh, today is the 11th and that means there are 14 days to Christmas. Now, I don't know if you're shopping or doing any of that stuff, but, uh, you don't have a lot of time left. Let me just put it that way. But, uh, in addition to the news, uh, there is a lot going on in terms of tunnel to towers. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, how they paid off the mortgage of a woman in Connecticut. Uh, whose husband, uh, state trooper, was shot. Within two weeks, Tunnel to Towers paid off her mortgage. I got to tell you, what a great organization they are. But let's talk about the news. Here we go. So now we find out that, indeed, Twitter was putting its finger on the scales. They were suppressing not just the Hunter Biden laptop, which 50 Intel officials said was uh, Russian disinformation, but they were suppressing conservative speech. The speech of Dan Bongino, the speech of Charlie Kirk, speech of Dr. Bonacera, who didn't go along with the White House's version of how to handle the COVID uh, response. And it is, I tell you folks, it is an absolute uh, uh, shock that we know it now for sure. I mean, we knew it instinctively. We knew that the left is moving to suppress conservative speech. The left has moved uh, in violation of the First Amendment. They do not believe in free speech. It started years ago with you have to say things politically correct. And that started the slippery slope. So from politically correct, we went to No, you not only can't say it that way, to you probably shouldn't say it, to we're going to cancel you if we say it, to you got no more free speech in America. And I have to tell you, any red-blooded American, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you have got to be infuriated with the fact that the FBI was having weekly meetings with Twitter uh, warning them of a leak and hack operation, and that's a quote, against Hunter Biden wanting to know when the info would hit social media. And as soon as it did, they were warning them that, hey, it's not true. And then they got their whores, the 50 Intel officials from the swamp, Brennan, Clapper, and the whole lot of them to say, oh, this looks like Russian disinformation. The amazing part of it is Hunter Biden never denied it was his laptop. Joe Biden never denied it was Hunter's laptop. They got all of their minions to come out and say, looks like Russian disinformation. Why? Why? It's real simple. It was weeks before a presidential election. They wanted to make sure that no one knew about the Biden crime family. They wanted to make sure that nobody knew that Joe Biden was getting a piece of the action and his drug addicted son, 
Hunters pay to play across the world. Vacuum cleaner that sucked up money from from places like uh, Uzbekistan, Ukraine, Russia, China, uh, and that four highly placed Intel officials in the Communist Chinese Party were involved with Hunter Biden and millions coming over from China to Hunter Biden's operations. I mean, this is crazy. And not only crazy, there there is a segment of, of the voting population that says, look, had we known this, we wouldn't have voted for Biden. This is called election interference, folks. It is pure and simple, but it's even more than that. It is fascism. This is fascism where the left comes out and says, don't believe what they say. It's not true. We'll tell you it's a lie. And don't you dare repeat it. Folks, don't you see what's happening to this country? It is, it is insane that they believe that they have the right to not only suppress our speech, but they have the right to come out and say, even the way you think is wrong. This from the group that brought us Russia collusion. They said there was Russia collusion. They lied about it for four years. They tore this country apart. They said, you know what? Donald Trump is a Putin puppet, a Russian asset. They could never prove it. It was not true. And what's his name? Schiff, Adam Schiff, Adam piece of Schiff comes out and says, I have evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians. You lying sack of Schiff. You had no evidence. You lied to the American people. We were at each other's throats for four years. And there are no consequences, folks. There are no consequences at all to the left for what they say and what they do when they lie, when they suppress the First Amendment, when they come out and say, you know what? This is important. It's our side versus yours. And then they call us the haters. They call the right and conservative the haters when they openly suppressed conservative speech over and over again. Let me just remind you of some of the fundamental folks. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution is freedom of speech. That means you can say what you want, that there is supposed to be a discussion, an exchange of ideas. A back and forth with opinions and the United States Supreme Court to even back that up has come out and said not only do we have the freedom of speech but hate speech is protected speech that we despise is protected and the case was Brandenburg versus Ohio that involved the Ku Klux Klan and the United States Supreme Court said listen folks there are only two areas where we're gonna say You have to suppress the speech. One is where there is imminent harm. All right. Crying fire in a crowded theater. You know, if you've got a vessel about to bomb, uh, 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 say, in New York, in the New York Harbor, or if there's child pornography. When there's child pornography, that's not free speech. The United States Supreme Court has made it clear. Those two areas where you instigate violence, imminent harm, imminent violence, you're not protected to say anything you want. 
and you're not protected to say, speak, or show anything as it relates to child pornography. Those are the only two exceptions to the First Amendment. But boy, oh boy, if you're a First Amendment absolutist, if you believe in the Constitution as our founding fathers believed it, then you are you're in the minority now. All of a sudden, the left now thinks that they've got the right to suppress what other people think and say. It's not true. And for those people who say, well, Twitter is a private company, they could say or do whatever they want. You know what? Twitter is the new town square. Twitter is uh, the marketplace of ideas and social media. So we've got, a, we've got an issue. And that is, if we are going to moderate or somehow uh, uh, you know, monitor what's going on, We've got to amend 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which right now is nothing more, considered nothing more than a platform that does not regulate and therefore anything can go on it. So right now we've got a huge First Amendment issue. Uh, I am furious at what they have done to conservatives and medical doctors. Medical doctors who dared to counter Fauci. And by the way, can I ask you a question? What is with this egomaniac Fauci? If you're going to retire, just do it. Call it a day. End it. The guy just keeps on going and going. What an egomaniac. Total egomaniac. Yes, I'm retiring. I have nothing to be sorry for. I made millions while I was working. I've got all kinds of investments and benefits from pharmaceutical companies. Folks, think about it. Think about how we relied on one man and now doctors in California are having their licenses questioned and possibly suspended because they disagreed with Fauci. Who the hell is Anthony Fauci? Why didn't we have some kind of commission like a Manhattan Project where we brought together the best and the brightest? No, we had dictatorial rule. That's because that's what the left loves. And honestly, I'm sick of it, and so should you be. Anyway, that's my opening statement here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's it. T, the number two, T.org. And up next on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, we will be speaking with former U.S. Representative Harold Ford. And later on, we are going to be joined by a spectacular First Amendment lawyer. Uh, her name is Corinne Mullen. She is an expert in the area of Internet defamation and social media law. It's all coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a former congressman and current Fox News contributor, rotating host on The Five. For those of you who watch The Five on Fox, he is to my left, and I'm going to go out and say it. I'm going to put it right out there. Harold is my favorite rotating guest on The Five, my favorite liberal. Uh, he tends more to be a moderate. So please join me in welcoming Harold Ford uh, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I want to tell you a little bit about Harold. Harold is an extremely serious guy. 
Uh, he joined Fox, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. He is currently vice chairman, executive vice president of PNC Bank's corporate and institutional banking, chairman of a uh, and CEO of an empowerment and inclusion capital corporation. Uh, and uh, he served as a Democrat member. Congress from Tennessee's 9th Congressional District, guys, for five terms uh, with stints on the House Budget Committee and House Committee on Financial Services. I understand that, uh, he, Harold, you were the youngest person uh, elected to Congress? When I was there, I was the young, for a while I was the youngest, yes, ma'am. Okay, well, you're not the youngest anymore, so get over it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Now, yesterday, we find out that the Biden administration decides to make a trade, and they make a trade of the merchant of debt, this guy named Bout, for Brittany Griner, and let's just put it on the table. We're all happy that an American citizen is back. But I wonder about, uh, and I certainly want to get your thoughts, the idea of bringing back a merchant of death in the middle of war when it seems that Putin needed him uh, more than we needed to make the deal. Well, first off, good morning. And thanks for having me on. And <laughs> thanks for the kind words about, uh, about what I'm doing and, my, and, and being on the show with you. Thanks for the kind words about uh, how you feel about me on the show. You know how much I, I love our conversations and how much uh, I value our friendship. So, and by the way, folks, you say that. Don't and don't let him kid you. We disagree on everything, but thank you for saying it, Harold. <laughs> no, we, we, we do, but we disagree on a lot of things. But one of the things I've learned a lot about life and politics: just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you can't value and like them and uh, and respect them. So thank you for that. I, I think the trade things. yesterday. I, I think the trade yesterday uh, that we learned about yesterday was, um, I think, the, the best trade and the best deal they could get. Uh, I, too, wish that uh, Mr. Whalen was a part of that deal. I hope he is a part of that deal, uh, that, that a new deal is able to be structured going forward. Um, but I think it, it speaks to sort of the complexities and the dynamic complexities of, of, of foreign policy and diplomacy in today's world, uh, and particularly at a moment fraught with, with conflict, real conflict in, in Ukraine. We've not seen this kind of violence and lack of resolve on the, on the European continent in, in my lifetime. and. Certainly, uh, this is my dad. My dad is still living, but his lifetime is when this all really occurred. It's kind of the kind of strife we're seeing. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that the administration, and I believe I take them at their words, they will continue to, to try to be try, try to find a way to get Mr. Whalen home. This is the second time we should note that he was not part of a deal. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Reed was brought home several months ago, uh, or many months ago, and we now see this deal being structured. Uh, and I can only only hope I, you said something interesting on the show yesterday that I didn't factor in. And I, I'm not sure how to how to calculate or how to calculate it into my or factored into my calculations about things. Did they, you know, did Putin want this guy uh, because of the conflict that, that we're in in Ukraine or he's in in Ukraine? Um, I'm not I'm not I still can't figure out how what value he would add other than whether it's the optics or even if, it, if there is substance there. But I would have to think our, our intelligence uh, community, as well as our defense community, uh, had to consider that. And I would hope they would have considered that. I got to think they did consider that as they as they thought about this deal. But I thought the point you made on the show yesterday was one that was not brought up. I didn't hear that that point raised really on any of the networks or for that matter, in any of the commentary and the reporting about the show about about the matter so we'll, we'll see what that i hope well, that is not the case i know you hope it's not the case either but I, but it is something that needs to be considered 
Well, you know, Harold, if, if history is any indicator of any of this, when the uh, when the trade trade was made for the five Taliban at Gitmo uh, for a deserter, Bo Bergdahl, uh, you know, they all returned to the battlefield. And I think that you have to have a very skeptical um, view of this. You know, people decide when they want to make a trade, and especially people like Putin. I mean, they, these guys are bad actors, and uh, it, it's in his interest. And I think that I think we had a little more leverage. But who am I to say? As I said myself, I mean, who knows what goes on at these in these meetings? You know, the the direct conversations, the indirect conversations the sub conversations around the table under the table but uh, these are these are tough calls and i i got to tell you i think that the whalen family uh, uh, obviously the the serviceman who's still over there uh, who's accused of being a spy by russia i thought they were a class act the whole family congratulating the uh, basketball player and uh, recognizing that they've been there the longest i thought they were very classy i agree Okay. Uh, uh, Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I just I agree with you. They, they, I could, their graciousness and grace uh, is something you don't see a lot in any anywhere in public life. Let's let's take a little switch here. Let's talk about the grid. Uh, right now, uh, we're we're in a situation where uh, power is finally being restored after a deliberate attack on a North Carolina substation that caused widespread power outages. And we're seeing this more and more, much of it natural causes, whether it's a hurricane uh, or, or other kind of natural uh, problem. But the, the issue now is that it seems to be that this is not an isolated incident, that the FBI has actually warned that, that at least five electricity substations in Oregon and Washington had suffered similar attacks. Now, I started talking about the grid 10 years ago, and I'm sure you've discussed it in Congress. We got a substation in Lower Manhattan. I did a show from that is, you know, that is surrounded by chain link fence. We certainly have enough enemies in the world, but there isn't a sufficient amount of supervision or regulation. There's no agency that is responsible for managing the, the resilience of the power. What can we do about the grid? So this is something you've been raising for a long time, and something you've raised even even more recently. Um, and it was interesting yesterday listening to, uh, I think it was Jesse Waters on the show yesterday who said that there are 12, maybe 12 or 13 substations, I think he said, around the country, that if you were to attack those, you would take out over 80% of the, uh, the, the electricity you would, in the country, which is an amazing number when you think about it. You also noted uh, that, uh, or reminded all of us that the, the organizing Entities that have uh, authority over these over our electricity grids are really all local and state driven. There's not a there's not a central not a central decider, but there's not a central organizing force, which is something we should we should strongly consider. Uh, part of part of the reason, the main thrust behind that is that we believe that uh, these issues should be resolved at the state level, should be decided at the state level. But this is something now I think you have to strongly consider, uh, if not reverse that. Reverse that position and make this something that is that is that is regulated uh, at a, in a central location, and there's a central authority that decides it. We we could we could all draw horror stories about what this would mean for uh, for uh, everything from crime in a community to uh, hospitals being uh, healthcare not being able to be delivered because of this. But there's just 
the, the kind of strife that you could and, 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 and you could you could cause to a community, the kind of harm you could cause to a community uh, in communities across the country. We could all make up all fabricate stories, and, and they would all be real. So I'm hopeful that Congress will will you know the kind of things Congress wants to investigate now. You know, they can investigate whatever they want to investigate or call hearings about what they want to call hearings about. But this is something that we need bipartisan uh, 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 help around. And for that matter, if we shine a light on this issue, I think the country would force their senators and congressmen, regardless of the party they may be in, to come together and work on this. So I, I'm well, hopeful that something may happen on this and something constructive and, and serious in terms of a solution can, can be formed around it. But anyway, Harold Ford, we love you. I appreciate your coming on. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday, a wonderful Christmas, and we thank you for joining us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. And never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is an attorney who specializes in defamation and free speech. Corinne Mullen has a uh, her own law firm. She's a former reporter with NBC, folks. She is the director of an internet defamation and social media law firm. And she is exactly the person that I wanted to have on the show this morning because everyone is talking about the internet defamation, what's true, what isn't true. And uh, we've got uh, the expert here with decades of experience practicing law, specializing in internet defamation. Corinne, thanks so much for being with us. Um, I'm going to start, kind of give you a frame of reference here. I'm going to start with Twitter. So Elon Musk comes along and he says he's going to he's going to drop the veil and he's going to show us uh, what's go- what's been going on on Twitter. And we find out that the uh, that the Hunter Biden laptop that was suppressed in the media uh, was certainly not uh, the result of uh, Russian misinformation or disinformation, that in fact it was his laptop. And in fact, curiously enough, Corinne Mullen, they never denied that it was his, uh, but that they suppressed it and suppressed, and by they I mean Twitter and Facebook, uh, any discussion of it between individuals. So he, mm-hmm. let's start with the first question. Um, the suppression of information on a social mm-hmm. media company is mm-hmm. that is that is that something that for which you can sue? Well, uh, let me make it very clear um, for your audience, and, and thank you very much, Judge. There are the twenty six words that created the internet, which is Section two thirty of the Communications Decency Act, that says. We are not going to allow Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to be directly sued uh, for the content they have there. Now, putting that aside for a moment, it's really important to understand that when a company like Twitter engages in speech suppression, uh, that they are really exercising content moderation, perhaps, but it presents huge issues under the First Amendment. This revelation about uh, Hunter Biden's uh, computer, 
uh, showed that there had been content decision made to suppress that. And if if we're going to allow that, that's exactly the kind of thing the First Amendment prohibits. The Pentagon Papers would never have been published if that kind of thing was allowed. They made a decision that because it was illegally uh, obtained, that they were not going to allow that information uh, to be on the Internet. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So let's so Corinne Mullen um, to my listeners, folks, this woman is the real deal here. Um, the defamation, of course, is a false statement and unprivileged statement harmful to someone's reputation where the person intends to cause damage. But let's let's kind of peel it back a little bit. Let's talk about um, the the First Amendment. The First Amendment, the way I learned in law school and all of us, it protects uh, speech. It even protects hate speech, as I recall, Corinne. And tell me if I'm wrong. Brandenburg versus Ohio, and I probably right. shouldn't be. I shouldn't be told, quoting to a woman <laughs> whose expertise is in that area. But it, it, it Brandenburg involved the KKK, I think. Mm-hmm. And you tell me, the Supreme Court said, "Hey, uh, it's okay. We hate it, but it's allowed." Am I wrong? That's right. So, no, you're you're exactly right. Uh, the the Supreme Court of the United States has made it very clear that there's really only two areas that we're going to limit speech in. And those are where genuine violence is actually threatened. It's about to happen um, or child pornography. So those have been uh, the two areas. and. In it, it, Justice Brennan said, you know, unless there's a frigate in the harbor and it's about to blow up uh, in the area of national security, we're going to allow all speech. So really, those encroachments on free speech have been in the areas just of child pornography and the inciting of true and actual violence. Okay. Everything else is allowed. Okay, so yeah, fire in a crowded theater, that's imminent, uh, you know, imminent harm, imminent violence, Mm -hmm. whatever, and child pornography. Okay, so the Supreme Court has made it clear. Corinne, did your brain want to blow up when it all started at (laughs) Berkeley when they said, we don't want conservative voices? Uh, and then we, we follow through and I don't want to be political here. I really don't yeah. want to, be, I want to talk about the first amendment in pure mm-hmm. first amendment, free speech. Yeah. When they said, you're not allowed to speak. And now we're not going to let the, we're not going to let the Hunter Biden laptop or any information. Now we find out Dan Bonchino, a conservative, Charlie Kirk, a conservative, uh, Dr. Bonacera didn't agree with the, with the Anthony Fauci. People being canceled. Is your brain about to blow up? Totally. Listen, the, you know, the fundamental problem here is rather than welcoming a debate and recognizing that that kind of debate and discourse among Americans is to be expected and, in fact, really is so core to our democracy, the cancel culture has said, unless you, uh, 
take a position, espouse opinions with which I agree, you're canceled. Now, that's where the problem lies. You know, there has been no common ground. And really, the voices on uh, America's campuses have become, you know, far too too sensitive and sensitized to the nature of the speech. If you don't like the speech, choose other speech or have the courage to engage in a discourse that doesn't involve canceling the speaker because you don't agree with it. That's not what America is about. Wow. Um, it, it, I, I got to tell you, I mean, it, I am so used to the political discussions and people in Hammond and Hahn and this and that. So now the question is, um, you know, when we've got or, or what do you say to people who say, Twitter is a private company. So I, I do have something to say about that. So, you know, the First Amendment, as it was drafted, was always considered to be a restriction on the government, on that speech, and not on private actors. Here's the problem, though. Twitter has become, and, and all of this, all of the internet platforms have become the modern town square. So performing that function and engaging in that you gives them you know, true power in the marketplace. So the question has become, what do we do to control this modern newspaper of sorts? I mean, this public forum. And that's where all the debate uh, is occurring on how Twitter should uh, should engage with its users, whether whether it can engage in content moderation, uh, how that content moderation is to be exercised, and and there's a lot of problems, and we see Elon Musk struggling with those uh, as he's dealing with groups uh, that. Uh, want to uh, control the content, he's finding that it is extremely difficult to implement his absolutist view of the First Amendment and to run a profit-generating company. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, he's got that additional piece to worry about, profit-making. So Adam Schiff comes out, Kareen Mullen, uh, Mm -hmm. who is an internet, social media, defamation lawyer expert. I want to keep throwing that in there. Um, he, it, it, Adam Schiff comes out and he says, I want to know what Elon Musk's plan is on Twitter to curb, uh, hate speech. Now, let me just continue with that for one more second. First of all, Adam Schiff, why aren't you talking about the fact that you're sorry that you lied about the Russia collusion delusion and where the country Mm -hmm. was split apart? For four years, we were at each other's throats when you said that there was evidence, absolute evidence that Donald Trump had colluded with the Russians when there was none. Okay, now he wants to put a burden on Elon Musk where even Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act basically says, you know, they can't be sued. Now we're going to regulate Twitter? Yeah. 
So, so Judge, the law is going to be changing. I mean, right now, before the United States Supreme Court, are uh, two decisions by uh, circuit courts of appeals that look at Section 230 and whether or not um, Internet uh, service providers should be entirely immune from suit. And the real core problem there has been that when 230 was enacted, it really assumed that there wasn't going to be content moderation by internet service providers. Once that once that content uh, decision is made, however, by an ISP such as Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you, they are engaging in, in my opinion, uh, an editorial function, that's a speech function. There should be certain circumstances uh, where they can be held liable. They really can't have carte blanche power to publish everything um, and to not be held responsible. And these are really thorny issues. I mean, the, the U.S. Supreme Court will be looking at this, I believe, uh, in the next year. There's so many problems in this area uh, with revenge porn, with, with not knowing uh, what standards uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are using to take content down. It's a thorny area. Well, if if the truth is that that the law exists, that there is no um, uh, content moderation requirement, uh, and, and you know, versus the the absolutist, as you call it, then. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue for Elon Musk is if you want free speech, you put it all on, uh, but he still can't be sued until they're, they're, they are, um, moderated, uh, or they, they, they say, you know, we're going to put you in a position where you can be sued. Am I correct on that? You are, you are. And again, you know, these things are being formulated, uh, by Elon Musk. Presently, you know, what he uh, has discovered uh, when he took over uh, Twitter um, or he knew it already was that, you know, there were bots on on the platform that were amplifying certain speech. In fact, you know, he tried to uh, get out of the deal to buy Twitter because he said that there were a number of fake accounts and he um, and he says that he found that out. Well, Whatever he is now the owner of Twitter, he's negotiating the real life uh, terrain of how to deal with this speech. I mean, he currently uh, is facing a coalition, uh, uh, which includes the NAACP, Muslim Advocates, uh, the Free, Pat- Free Press, Common Cause, uh, who are are very very critical of Twitter, and at the same time. He's seen major advertisers leave the platform uh, based on the increase that they see in hate speech mm-hmm. on the platform. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what he did do was he took Kanye West down, or Ye, as he's called, uh, with his anti-Semitism. Um, and so he is moderating it. And then you've got Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, at the White House, at the podium, saying, you know, Twitter is just a marketplace of hate speech. What are you talking about? He just took down Kanye. 
Um, and mm. and apparently, as you say, you know, these are all tough decisions for someone who believes in the First Amendment. So maybe the government ought to get in there and, you know, pass some laws. And, you know, then we can, you know, then Twitter and all the social media companies, uh, Facebook, et cetera, you know, then they've got certain standards they have to comply with. But right now it's, you know, every man for himself. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to cut back on the Democrat, uh, the Democrat and the Republicans, I should say, which is the fact, go ahead and do it. There's no sanction. There is no sanction. Right. Agreed. Yes. And and, and that has been so frustrating um, that there's absolutely no no sanction um, and that Section 230 has been so broadly interpreted when, in fact, um, internet service providers are engaging in content decisions on who should be on, who should be off each and every day. So it's either one way or the other, uh, either, you know, Section 230 and, you know, no holds barred, or if there's going to be uh, editorial decisions, i.e. speech decisions, then they have to be held liable. And that's the those are the issues that the Supreme Court uh, will be grappling with. Some people have said that maybe the very best thing to do uh, is to have a user curated uh, set of standards. Oh, interesting. Yeah, where you and I uh, can make decisions about the speech um, that we want to be exposed to on uh, Twitter or on Instagram. So that has been put out there as a a viable choice, you know, to have certain settings where I don't have to see what I don't want to see. Um, And that might be helpful. One thing that's very clear is that whatever standards we, we do use, they need to be transparently out there Right. So that we know what the standards are that the sites are using to either uh, take off speech or to put the speech on. I think that would be helpful to everyone. All right. Uh, you heard it from the expert, everyone. Corinne Mullen, uh, who is the uh, head of a uh, an Internet and uh, defamation and social media law firm. Uh, she is uh, she is a bomb. She knows it all. Corinne, thanks so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you, Judge. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. All right. If you don't see the error of their ways, then you're going to be the victim of their oppression. The bottom line here, folks, is that the left is trying to take over America in a fascist, dictatorial, totalitarian way. And it is, I mean, our founding fathers are literally spinning in their graves. And speaking of of what's going on and people spinning in their graves, you know, the Biden administration this week made it uh, in exchange uh, for the merchant of death uh, with uh, Brittany Griner, a basketball player. Look, I'm glad she's back. She's an American citizen. But why not? Why not Paul Whelan? You know, the truth is he deserved to come back just as much. And it proves to me that the Biden administration's a bunch of wusses. And I'll tell you why. 
Putin wanted the merchant of death, Victor Bout, back. Putin is in the middle of a war, a war in the Ukraine. Putin needs Victor Bout and all his experience, all his context, all his knowledge about armaments and about war and about death. We didn't need this. Putin pushed it. Putin needed Bout. And why we didn't withhold Bout and the White House says, oh, they were only going to go for Bout or nothing. Hogwash. If you play hardball, put on your big boy pants and, and grow a set. You could have gotten wheeling too, because make no mistake, Putin wanted the merchant of death. But in any event, let's try to close it out with a uh, with a with a funny thought. <laughs> there is a uh, I don't know who it is, an employer somewhere who said that uh, he's sick and tired, or she's sick and tired of people taking off work. And she says, if you're sick to her staff, if you're sick, I want a sick note from your doctor. And don't tell me your dog died, because if your dog died, bring him in and prove it. Now, I get the sense that that person, that boss, needs a day off herself. Anyway, I hope that you join us right back here because we're out of time already. Come next week and talk to us same time, same place for the Judge Janine Tunnels to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.